Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So, Donna, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've, you've been getting a lot of, uh, of phone calls and requests for interviews. And, and uh, it's been, uh, for me, as just a fan, uh, I did not know the band uh, like you know the band. Um, but it's been it's been a tough it's been a tough uh, few days. It's been uh, uh, yeah, it's been a punch in the gut. Yeah, that's kind of an understatement. And what makes it even sadder um, is the fact that Neil didn't want most people to know how sick he was. Okay, uh, this is not a case where it was like, hey, let's do a final tour and have you know ninety seven parties. And no, that's that's just not Neil. Uh, Neil is a very private person. I say is because I just I'm yeah. having such a hard time talking about him in the past tense. Yeah. But Neil was a very private person. He didn't want a lot of attention. I mean, yeah, he loved attention for his drumming, but mainly he wanted the respect as a musician. He wasn't in it for the praise or the fame or anything like that. He he loved the band. He loved his family. And he loved drumming and he loved writing music. And when he got sick, I mean, I knew that he was sick. I didn't know he had cancer. Very few people knew he had cancer. And that's exactly how he wanted it. He wanted people to remember him as he was. He wanted people to remember him when he was healthy. It's, that's one of the reasons the band retired when they did. Neil had serious tendonitis. That, that, is, that is no BS. He was in an immense amount of pain. I was with him one night. I couldn't believe the pain he was in. And he didn't want to go out as a parody of himself. I mean, he, he talked about the fact that there are some musicians that it's like years later, you know, long after they've lost the range, long after they can't play anymore, they're still coming out and trying to do it. And he said, like, I don't want to be that person. And he wanted people to remember him at his best. And so even when he got sick, he was very, very careful with how many people he told. And, you know, rock journalists that covered him, that knew him as long as I knew him, were stunned. I was stunned. I, I just, I had no idea yeah. how sick he was. Yeah, it was it was a shock. Our our uh, our uh, APD, our music director, uh, Mistress Carrie, came in and she just came in, and she just hugged me and I said, "What's up? What's going on?" <laughs> and uh, she she gave me the news and I I yeah same thing. I couldn't really wrap my nightmare. head around it. Yeah, this is a nightmare. And you know, I feel bad. Of course, I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for me. I've known him for years, but I feel the worst for his parents. I mean, no. for parents to have to bury a child, is it's just a nightmare. And I feel bad for his little daughter. Mm. I feel bad for his wife. And, and I feel bad for his best friend, his best friend Craig, who was with him through thick and thin. And I mean, this is, 
it's never easy to lose someone you love. But someone who was vibrant, who was out there, whose music has touched so many lives, it, it's just a nightmare. For, for the people that his music touched, um, why, why do you think not just him but Rush in general – uh, the fans are, are just, it's a special feeling to be a Rush fan. It's like a club. Although club, an, the word, I, I talk about know. it like an extended family. Yeah, now. that's it. Yeah, it's more like that. What What is it? Because you know, their music's amazing, but there's a lot of bands out there that have amazing music. What do you well, think it is about the fans and why they stay so loyal and they're so enthusiastic? One of the interesting things about Rush is I understand their an acquired taste. You know, they yeah. were never going to be the kind of band that had a million top 40 hits. But mm-hmm. they didn't want to be the kind of band that had a million top 40 hits. They were speaking to everyone who has ever felt like an outsider. They were speaking to anyone who's ever wondered about, is it okay for me to be myself? What's interesting about Rush fans, and I've met thousands of them over the years, um, Rush fans are Republicans, they're Democrats, they're Libertarians, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. they're religious people, yeah. they're atheists. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to me to get into a conversation at a conference about Rush and find that there is such a diversity of fans, but they're all united around their love for Rush. And what I think the special thing is about them is their lyrics are so thought-provoking and they resonate with so many people. And if you're a Rush fan, you've got friends all over the world. And it's not out of, you know, oh, we all partied, because they weren't really partiers. No. They were family men. You didn't yeah. hear a lot of scandal about Rush. Well, you really if, didn't. If I may interject here just on Please. that on that brief point. Uh, it's always funny to hear Gene Simmons talk about that tour in the 70s where oh, yeah. they, they opened for Kiss. It's like we were out there, we were trolling for groupies, we had girls yep, and stuff, and, and, and yep, Rush yep. was in their hotel rooms practicing. They yep. were practicing. And, and they tried to, and uh, Gene Simmons, I, I know Gene. I was backstage with the band. I saw Kiss without their makeup. Come yeah. on. You know, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was a rock and roll DJ for many years yes. and a music director. And I remember... Gene Simmons trying to get groupies for uh, for Getty, and and Getty was like, I got to call my girlfriend, and yes. his girlfriend was in fact Nancy, who became his wife, yeah. and that is one of the love stories of rock and roll. I mean, they are still together, they still love each other, they've got two wonderful kids. I mean, that was Neil's story too. That was Alex's story. These are the kind of guys that. Yeah, they're rock stars, but if you saw the movie Beyond the Lighted Stage, they're just like guys sitting eating donuts, and yeah. people come up to them. It's like, aren't you rock stars? And yeah. they're like, no, because <laughs> yeah, they didn't think of themselves in that way. When I, I, I blogged about Neil's passing this past week. If any of your listeners want a copy of it, I'll be very happy to send it along. But one of the things that always will stay with me is a conversation I had with Neil back in 2010. And and we both loved literature, and we both loved King Lear, and which is a great play about the relationship between fathers and daughters, and about finding out too late that 
you didn't say the things to your daughter that you wish you had said. Mm. And he said to me, he said, you know, I loved my daughter. He had been married before. His wife, his first wife died of cancer. His daughter was killed in a car crash. He said, like, I loved my wife and daughter, but I was never there for them. He said, my career always came first. And if I ever get a second chance, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And when he remarried, he was devoted to his daughter. I mean, he was there for her big time. And we were all very understanding when he retired, A, because of the tendonitis. I mean, I'm talking about the immediate family was understanding. Of course, the fans were disappointed. I get it. But they understood the pain that he was in. And when he retired, I looked at it like... Now he's going to really get the chance to honor the promise he made and to really be there for his daughter. And that's exactly how he spent his final years. I mean, we didn't know it was going to be his final years, but that is exactly what he did. He was an honorable man. He was a decent man. And I say that knowing about all the charity he gave, and he never wanted people to know Okay, there are people who benefited from Neil's philanthropy and they were under orders not to talk about it. I'm serious. He didn't want the attention to be on him. That is unique in the world of rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely unique. Can I tell you a story very quickly? And I haven't told it to a lot of people. Yeah, please. Um, A few years back, and I'm going to keep the names private because, you know, just as a courtesy, Um, but a very passionate, very loyal Rush fan, lost everything in a house fire, okay? And she and her husband were basically living out of their car. And she went to a library and she emailed me. She didn't email me for me to do anything about Rush. I mean, we were just talking. We'd been in touch. You know, we'd been in touch for ages because Rush fans are like a big family. And she was like, you know, the reason you haven't heard from me is our house burned down and we lost everything. And, you know, I'm writing from the public library. Don't, you know, just if you've wondered where I've been. And I knew she was like just the Rush fan out on the West Coast. And I got in touch. I knew that Neil was her favorite member of the band. And I got in touch with Neil through his best friend, Craig. And I said, like, guys, here are two Rush fans. They're living out of their car through no fault of their own. Is there anything we can do? And Neil donated, and I'm not going to tell you how much, but he donated enough so that they could go stay in a hotel. Now, that story will never make the newspapers, okay? But that was just Neil being Neil. And when people say to me, like, oh, yeah, he never came to the meet and greets. No, he never did come to the meet and greets because he was shy. And that just wasn't how it was for him. He was not comfortable, you know, schmoozing when he talked about, like, I can't pretend the stranger is a long-awaited friend. Exactly, exactly. Okay, that just, that wasn't Neil. But you could not find someone who was more honorable, who was more ethical, and who cared more on a personal level. As far as he could tell, his gift to the fans, and I don't mean this sarcastically, I'm saying like the reason he didn't show up for the meet and greets was as far as he could tell, he'd spent three hours communicating with the fans. He'd been up on stage drumming his heart out every night. Neil never mailed it in, 
no. ever. And he drummed for three hours. He wrote amazing lyrics. That was his communication with the fans. And that's what's going to live on, Mike. That's what's going to live on. Well, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here by asking this. And, and, and you don't have to answer if you can't think of something right away. But is there a lyric that just is your favorite or that when someone mentions Neil's name that just jumps right at, out at you? I'll answer the same way I always answer. And it's it's a very good question. But it's in the same line of, you know, do you have a favorite Rush song? Right, right. For many years. I was kind of like a big sister to the band, okay? Until they really became famous and they didn't need a big sister anymore, (laughs) so we just were friends, all right? If you ask a mother, who's your favorite child, (laughs) okay? What are they going to, oh, yeah, you know, I really like Mary, but I can't stand (laughs) Matt, okay? No. So when I think of Rush, I love all their lyrics, And I love them in different ways. Of course, there are some Rush albums I like better than others. But I'm not thinking like a fan. I'm thinking like, these are my friends. I've hung out with them. I've hugged them. I've been there for them. They've been there for me. We are still in touch. There is no way that I could pick one song because everything they put out resonates with someone even if it isn't my favorite song mm-hmm. i mean when i used to be a music director come on you're in radio you understand this yeah. do you love all the songs you play no no, no. not 100 percent. no but on the other not. hand yeah. you know that somewhere someone is sitting listening to that song that you have played so many times you think you are going to upchuck okay yeah. and yet Somebody's listening, and it's exactly the song they needed to hear at that moment. So I'm thinking in that way. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't always love all their songs, but someone does. Yeah. And I love the fact that for more than four decades, they kept coming up with amazing performances, amazing music. I can find a whole bunch of lyrics that really speak to me, but the ones that don't, they speak to someone else. Yeah, that's a, that's so very very true, Donna. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? It's at all? totally. I, I feel like no. I'm babbling and you may, here No, it makes perfect sense because so, it's. I, I can't even tell you. I've made my living speaking over the years. Okay, yeah. I mean, as, as a DJ and later as a public speaker and a professor and blah blah blah. But this is the hardest conversation, not just with you, but I'm saying. People calling me up and asking for my re- my reflections. Of, you know, how do you have reflections of a friend? I mean, yeah. this is somebody who was in my life in one way or other for more than four decades. Yeah. Now, was I as close to him as I was to Alex and Getty? No, Neil was a very private person. But we kept in touch. I loved him. I wanted his health and happiness. And... I'm so, so sorry he's gone. It feels wrong to say that he's gone. And I know that his music will live on. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to honor him. Well, uh, Donna Halper, thank you very much for taking the time. And, um, you know, I just one last point I want to make is I find it, uh, you know, over the years, it's there's been many jokes about how, uh, the loneliest place at a Rush show is the ladies' room, and you can probably count the female Rush fans on one hand at their shows. But a I think, myth. It's, I totally think it's a myth. oh, I know. I've been to I've been to several shows. I know that's a myth, but it's it's. I just want to point out that 
you know, the person who gave them their first big break, at least in radio in the U.S., is a woman. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not the only one. No. It is true that in the early days of their career, the majority of their fans were men. But gradually, people were apprenticed into their music mm-hmm. through boyfriends or husbands or, you know, male friends. And then gradually... They picked up on it themselves. Don't forget, we're in the second and even third generation now. We have Rush families. Yes. We have people who, you know, their kids are Mm -hmm. into Rush. I've got a a friend in Alabama whose son is a rock drummer. Now, he's a kid. He's in high school. But, you know, he's going to college, and he loves drumming. And Neil was his inspiration. So, yeah, yeah. The mother likes Rush. The son <laughs> likes Rush. Yeah. I like Rush. Yeah. I can tell you so many women that reached out to me when they heard this news. And, yeah, like I said, in the early days, maybe it's true that most of the fans were guys. But, boy, howdy, that sure changed within a few mm-hmm. years. It did. It most certainly did. Uh, Donna, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. I know it's I know it's tough because you you are, are friends with Neil and and the band. So I really appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on, and I I want to send lots of love and condolences to the listeners. There, as soon as I find out what the favorite charity is that the family would like us to donate to in his memory, perhaps we can do that. All right, it's it's. Donna Halper, and and if you could, uh, where can people read your latest blog about Neil? Well, um, all they got to do is just shoot me an email. My email is dlh at donnahalper.com, or they can just do the Google, and if they Google, you know, Donna Halper blog, it should come up. The name of my blog is Dialogue and Discourse. And uh, it's uh, the piece about Neil has been widely retweeted and quoted, and I'm honored about that, but I'm sad that I had to write it. I also have a link to it on my Facebook page. So uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, and uh, to all the fans out there, this is a nightmare, but on the other hand, his music has inspired so many people, and it will continue to inspire people. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.